Welcome back, everyone. This is Podcast Shit. I'm Leanne. I'm Matthew. And today we have a uh, very raw conversation because I have no idea what Matthew has to tell me. Well, I was reading my news this morning, like I always do, and um, I'm on... Because you're 65. I sure am. Um, <laughs> but I do what everyone does and read the news while I'm on the toilet in the morning. Isn't that what we all do? Read whatever it is. Like, you, you watch your Jimmy Kimmel uh, clip or Jimmy Fallon, and they know you're not... Most people aren't watching it live. They're watching it the next morning on the toilet. You know, viral. Like I said before, no subject is off limits. Right. <laughs> and that's not what I plan on talking about first, but we all, everyone knows this too. I know there's folks at home nodding and saying, yeah, me too. Hopefully they'll listen to us when they're on the toilet. Anyway. We're only human. We're only human. Like, oh yeah, this is great flush. Um, so I'm looking over, I'm looking over my news this morning and, um, I'm looking at an article. The headline is, it, it, this is about the war in Israel. Um, this conversation is over. Tensions flare as Biden reportedly running out of patience with Netanyahu's handling of the war in Gaza. And so automatically I have feelings. And I know y'all are probably thinking, yeah, me too. Well, that might not be yours. So let's see. My feelings are, I can understand where Biden is coming from. Um, from the report, it says, the main driver of Biden's frustration is Netanyahu's resistance to moving on requests that are U.S. priorities. In addition to the tax revenue issue, Biden and his advisors believe Israel isn't doing enough to allow humanitarian aid into Gaza, and apparently they're also uh, frustrated by his unwillingness to seriously discuss plans for the day after the war mm. and the rejection of the U.S. plan for a reform Palestinian authority to have a role in the post-Hamas Gaza. Um, so, I know, I have feelings too. <laughs> I'm trying to let you finish. Right, one other thing there, if Israel doesn't significantly scale down its operations in Gaza, which U.S. officials have been present for in hopes of reducing Palestinian casualties, it will likely become increasingly difficult for Biden to maintain the same level of support for Israel's military campaign. And man, I totally understand that. I mean, from my perspective, that makes sense. Um, you know, I've seen certain people that are telling me they don't think the U.S. is doing enough or we don't feel support from Biden. Um, I'm not sure what they're seeing, but the last, I mean, Biden just went around Congress to give more, quote, emergency weapons to Israel. I'm not sure what more they want. So that's why I feel like this is contradictory. Like, how are you going to get mad at Netanyahu? But at the same time, you literally just gave him more ammunition to continue. And man, and these are my feelings. You're not wrong. These are my feelings is... He's, I mean, so Biden's walking this tightrope. The U.S. rather is walking this big tightrope. And honestly, I mean, I don't mean to, to, to interrupt, no, but it, it's, you know, you see pro-Palestinian rallies where they're, you know, the U.S. should stop funding Israel. Um, but and you even mentioned in the article the the U.S. is, um, oh, what was it? You're talking about their plan. Their plan. I'm like, I'm sorry. When did the U.S. become Israel? Because that's, I feel like overstretching right well right unless they're like dangling the carrot of well we gave you missiles or we gave you ammunition or, or whatever in that case absolutely and that's going to be controversial in our jewish community right but i mean you can't play both sides well and we know people well we don't know them but we have seen israelis that do not agree and do not want uh foreign involvement particularly u.s involvement like that they don't want 
Well, shit, but a billion for... dollars in aid, they don't want the weapons. They want Israel to be, to actually be self-determining. Yeah, well, I mean, well, exactly. I mean, Israel could completely have wiped Gaza off the map by now um, with everything that they have. But when 80% of the population wants Netanyahu to resign, step down, like disappear, um, <laughs> then that should tell the world something. I mean, I'll be blatantly honest, I'm not a big Trump supporter um, at all, actually. And I feel like Netanyahu is Israel's Trump. Mm -hmm. And it's just, he he's racist, he's a bigot. I cannot stand the man at all, like Trump nor Netanyahu. Um, so I, but going back to Biden, he sure he's in a tight situation, you know, very difficult. You have to play that wire very uh, thinly. But again, I'll go back to you cannot give them weapons or ammunition and then declare, "Well, I'm getting impatient." Well. And this is that tightrope. So the U.S. The U.S. and Israel have this quote special relationship that they've had since 1948. Um, and I, I have feelings about that. There's there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> My feelings about that are, at least for me, it seems too often that it's it's not so much a special relationship as it's. I mean, it's almost impunity for me. It, the U.S. is usually the one; they're the biggest supporter. And they give more foreign aid to Israel than any other nation. But they're the ones that will block whatever UN resolution um, if if other countries, you know, feel that Israel is doing wrong. Um, like I said, they give more aid. Um, and they've been um they've been very careful on like not not telling Israel what to do in this war. It's been it, it, they've been suggesting things and hoping for things, but not dictating. That is a word, not dictating what they will do. But I mean, I get, I get where Biden's coming from because, um, cause I've told you this, uh, at this point with all of the civilian casualties, um, I feel like it's very hard to impossible to have goodwill for Israel's effort here for this war against Hamas, quote unquote. Um, and that's what, the Biden administration, I think, is trying to stress is like they're running out of runway. Uh, and let's be fair, the U.S. has done a lot. I think they've been almost too good to Israel, giving the emergency weapons when, honestly, I'm not sure what the emergency is. Israel has a very developed army. They have, they get billions of dollars in aid. I, they're, like you said, they could wipe Gaza off the map. What's the emergency here? They're doing just fine. Um, and getting more weapons. Even well, my thing is like, You've heard everybody say, you know, well, there was a ceasefire on October 6th. I feel that Israel's probably afraid that if they stop, even if it's to let humanitarian aid in, which truthfully, I feel like you should. But again, that's going to give Hamas a chance to regroup. But like you and I have talked in the past, Hamas is an ideology. Right. It's not just a group of Palestinians or whatever that you know camp out in um yeah it's not a particular it's not a excuse me it's not a specific like army yeah so it's not gonna be one overnight um this is gonna go on forever i feel like oh we're at least close to it um 
but you can't abandon the humans that are in West Bank or Gaza. Um, but I also come from the fact that I was Christian for 30 years. And I feel like a lot of people only support Israel from the Christian perspective because they're afraid that, well, if you don't support God's land, then God's going to hate you. And it's a sin. Um, that's not, I believe, the reason people should love Israel. Um, granted, yes, you have multiple stories from, you know, from the Christian perspective, from the Muslim perspective, and from the Jewish perspective that is tied to Israel, is tied to Jerusalem and the surrounding cities. Um, but I do feel like the government is just not in it for the right reasons and i do believe that the support that they get from the u.s is absurd like we are not even able to take care of our own people here and israel absolutely can take care of itself it has in the past so and like i mean the military um organizations that they have there have done fine for years so I don't, I, I agree with you, I do not understand the emergency so-called action or need that the U.S. is giving them when, like I said before, like Gaza could have like disappeared on day one. Right. That's part of this special relationship um, that the U.S. and Israel have. And um, really, I, like I said, I can understand their frustration. Um, just like I can understand the hostage family's frustration. I was looking at the, the Times of Israel, um, December 25th. Uh, there was an article in the Times that says PM booed by hostages' families at Knesset as he pledges not to ease pressure on Hamas. Um, it says, We don't have time. Relatives of Israelis held in Gaza shout in Netanyahu after he declares that only, quote, military pressure will bring them home. But so that's clearly not happening yet. No, like, I mean, you keep doing the airstrikes, you're not going to have any hostages to save. So that should stop, in my opinion. I'm not saying that the work of catching the Hamas leaders and the people responsible for October 7th shouldn't be, you know, caught and brought to justice um, because the atrocities were, were just unimaginable. Yeah. Um. But I just think that they're going a little overboard. I'm not saying that. I, I don't believe there's a it's a genocide that they're trying to do. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's. Uh, can I agree with you? I don't think it's a. We're gonna wipe them off the map. Genocide. I do think it can be a de facto, and I think it's a slippery slope because I mean Gaza is just a disaster area now. Um, yeah. The humanitarian crisis, food crisis, is really awful, and I don't, I really don't want to hear it's all Hamas. It's not all Hamas, because Israel does have responsibility with how it conducts its warfare. Also, um, I don't like hearing, but human shields, because that's also not. An but that is the truth. I mean, I played as advocate on that, but it has been proven that that is the truth of what Hamas is doing. So it's. So that's. I'm backtracking a little bit, only because. It's. There's no 
easy answer to this in a sense of <laughs> hold on in the sense of if they are using human shields how are you supposed to get to the leaders like they know what they're doing they're hiding people in tunnels so how do you expect them to get to tunnels i don't believe that airstrikes the option but i mean ugh, that's why this is so hard so it doesn't seem and you're not wrong i was, I was this close to saying it's not hard moral clarity has been very easy it hasn't been i i will have first off no matter how i feel i still have this deep down like pull if you will when i see some any type of criticism against israel i want to fight and say that's anti-semitic or whatever even if i know better it's just from my upbringing i guess it's it's just those years and years and years but it, it has been tough i've had well, to research everything and really look to know and understand what's going on. Um, I don't know. I I think when they mention human shields, it, it seems to come off as an excuse to me. Um, and that's not okay. Yeah, I mean, if it comes, I mean, if it's fact and, you know, it's proven, it's one thing. You know, obviously, they can't keep saying, oh, they're human shields, they're being human shields. When there's no Hamas leaders or anybody, like, in the proximity. Um, I've told you multiple times that... This is how I feel. I grew up Christian. I'm I'm now Jewish, um, and the philosophy that I've come up with is: you can love Israel, the the country, the people, the you know the historical value of Israel, what it stands for, but hate the government, hate the politicians, hate. The people that are running it mm -hmm. um and that in every jew you know they carry a piece of israel inside them that's like, i mean they are little pieces of israel wherever they are um but i'll go back to it it's like it's saying something when the majority of the country is saying netanyahu is out of hand i mean you even said before that um what is it his his campaign once was literally about um uh, was based off of prejudice you know for arabs which right. should not be the case when the, you, you we've seen that arabs and israelis like arab israelis and jewish israelis can live in peace and work together and own businesses together and live in the same communities together yeah so it's just again it's that ideology that you're having to fight something that's not tangible and that's so hard for people to grasp you're you're not wrong and that's why i feel that it's not you they're not going to kill their way to peace i hope they wouldn't that's what they think is happening i mean that's what it looks like is they're just going to bulldoze gaza until they kill all hamas but like you said that can't really well, that's because that's dig up tunnels then and right well and one who knows if there's any hostages in the tunnels that also takes time um it it needs to be a diplomatic process not you can't kill your way to peace well how do you say i mean so i'm, I'm playing devil's advocate again because like these are questions i have for myself you know when i sit down and think about it like my mental health is so shot because of this war oh, yeah. but um it's when the politicians are the corrupt ones, how do you come up with 
a solution that is beneficial for everyone. Because even you said in the past that you feel like Israeli government and Hamas are kind of feeding each other back and forth, you know, of like with what they're doing. They're only making the other's story and narrative stronger. Well, so, so wow. Mm. So two things. One, <laughs> that's, that's happening with Hamas now. They, I'm sure, are thrilled with everything Israel's doing because Israel is creating, I mean, the U.S. Army would be jealous of the recruitment tactics. Israel is is free recruiting. Yeah, <laughs> Hamas is having a blast with they they couldn't pay for uh recruitment like this. Um, Hamas or Israel's making it for them because of the bombardment um, in Gaza. It's it's perfect. It's exactly what Hamas wants. It's the narrative they've been pushing. But it, it, what you said, um, you know they're they're acting like this is an evil they hadn't seen before and it was totally unexpected and now they're trying to destroy quote unquote this evil um it was foreseen they it, uh, it was a mix of hubris and politics from this far right wing government that they felt they could placate Hamas and you know have this mowing the grass policy uh to keep them at bay and show them who was boss they also um Netanyahu and his cabinet secretly saw Hamas as an asset because that helped ensure there was a fractured Palestine. There wasn't going to be any peace process or statehood because you had uh, Fatah in the West Bank, Hamas in Gaza, and there's no unity because it's two different governments. So they secretly saw them as an asset, and it was the Qatari funds and it was the moment the grass. I think they felt like, yeah, we can keep, those, keep up the status quo um, until they didn't. And now we know that they had a year ago, they saw the plans for October 7th and all but one um, general dismissed it because they, they felt Hamas couldn't, they weren't sophisticated enough to pull this off. Well, that wasn't true. So, you they know. underestimated them. Yeah, for sure. Hubris, bad politics. Well, it, even so, though, you would think that a threat like that, they would still have an ear and eye out for, or at least prepare just in case. Clearly not. They had it, they felt like they had it all under control. Um, with the mowing the grass policy, they felt like if there was any sort of skirmish, they could um, show their might, Iron Dome, this and that, take care of things, show Hamas, you know, what would happen. Things would go back to normal, so on, so on, so on. Everything moves on. Um, and now you see that that's completely not workable. Um, and I just get mad that they're now ready to just destroy Hamas and, you know, we're, we're going to fight until, I guess there's no Gaza left when four i know y'all can hear that <laughs> like that looks like is <laughs> we're not gonna pretend that that's not real that's real i i apologize it's like i promise we're on the constructions we are i don't know someone must be moving out or moving in or maybe who knows but this is a real recording <laughs> like i said now you know raw and unscripted that's right beep, beep. okay um not a single one of our animals care nope it's like whatever this is i know i'm not doing the best job here but there's just so much to unpack there's so many feelings it's been really we'll have to split that up into different episodes because yeah. it, it's tough as a jew to talk about this it really is it's been tough like you remember we particularly october and november it was a real struggle we there was a lot of emotions there was anger there was confusion um that's an understatement i mean 
we run a we help run a Facebook group in our area and the I guess extremes like when you fall kind of like in the middle or not quite fully on one side or fully on the other but not quite in the middle either like it's hard to make sure people are respectful and just not rude and dismissive um I mean, I I have friends that are in the IDF and or people that I haven't heard from, you know, and I'm just hoping that they're, you know, they're just off social media so they don't post. But I mean, at the same time, like the whole point of being Jewish is to value life. That's not just the Jewish life. Mm-hmm. That's every life. Um, do I want the leaders of Hamas to die no actually I want them to be brought to justice and then let the justice system handle that um but I feel like they need to face the responsibility and the consequences of what has happened um but I don't feel like it's in a Jewish nature to wish someone dead I love that and that I have two things to say but one to your point dad you're correct as far as I'm concerned and that's part of the hard work in um in trying to make a solution happen. It's not going to be uh, a U.S. brokered peace process. It's not going to be Israel killing people. It's going to be uh, Israel and Palestine doing their hard work of actually trying to move forward and, and you know, have a dipl- diplomatic, uh, a real peace process. Um, this is only increasing radicalization. We said it was pushing Hamas's narrative. Um, what what I want to see is Israel showing that Israel is not what Hamas says, that there is a want yeah. to actually move forward and have some real coexistence. I think, peace, and it's going to be, it's a hard work. For me, I think the people that live in Israel, the, the majority of the population is just um, citizens of Israel. They want that. They've proven that it can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and it does it, and it can. Yeah, and it's just, it's honestly this where it, it frustrates me. This is why I got out of politics a long time ago. The politicians are the ones that are making it so negative and so I don't even know what's the word I want to look for. Um, just disgusting to even think about. Um, because they're so corrupt. They're, you know, where ego and greed override, you know, human, you know, being humane and mm-hmm. civil, and see the bigger picture. And to your point, it was literally fighting corruption charges. That that was that should tell you something. In the backdrop of this, um, you know, and remember before the war, there was, you know, there was that, and there was also the Israelis in the streets over this judicial overhaul. Yeah. What many Israelis saw as them neutering um, and taking the teeth out of the Israeli Supreme Court. Um, and that was just before yeah. the war. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about what you were saying before. Um, in this article I mentioned in the Times, Netanyahu was trying to defend the country and their uh, the war movement. So he says, we would not have succeeded in freeing over 100 abductees so far without the military pressure. 
Um, all the pressures we exert, political intelligence and other efforts, would not have succeeded without the military pressure. And, I mean, I'm not, I didn't go to college for um, political science or anything like that, but I feel like that's not true. Um, if you remember how that happened, it was a temporary truce deal brokered by Qatar and Egypt and the United States. And it was this diplomatic, international diplomatic process that led us to this. Not, I, it, it wasn't because they killed enough people. Um, it was the hard work behind the scenes, the diplomacy that got them. The actual to, talking. Yeah. And that's one of like the biggest things here too, you know, with, with this podcast that you and I have, I've started that, you know, because obviously we'll have people on here that may or may not agree with us or with you or with me or, or whatever. And the biggest thing is people need to relearn how to listen and open their minds to the other person's perspective. Um, and you can agree to disagree and still be friends. Now, granted, I... I'm finding it hard lately of being friends with people who are anti-Semitic. Like, I, I've lost a few friends on social media, which, I mean, whatever. They haven't talked to me in, like, five years until now. And I'm like, well, I worked with you for five years. You didn't know I was Jewish then, and you were totally fine with me and friendly or whatever. And now it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Man, and we haven't even talked about that aspect of all this. That's why I said it's so much John Pack. Um you're you're right. I feel like this war. We talked about this with our friends the other day. The war is creating hate where in places it might not have existed before, well, amplifying feelings um, like dark feelings that existed, um, and creating enemies even between people that would call would have called themselves friends. You know, there's too much black and white yeah. and broad brushstrokes on both sides. Um, people that are attacking, hurting, and otherwise not liking people just because they're Arab, just because they're Jewish. Yeah, but I, and that's one other thing, too. People need to realize it's not just, you know, anti-Semitism that's on the rise. I'm sure there's, like, Islamophobia that's risen, too. Yeah, there is. You know, it goes both ways. Racism is not just, you know, white on black or black on white or white on black. It's It can be religiously, I mean, for any religion, it's not this finite thing i mean it's so many different ways that racism can present itself yeah this is hurting everybody <clears throat> and i mean we have a friend who where her sister got involved mm -hmm. and almost you know i don't know if she actually would have been in danger of losing her position in school but she's like on the other side of the country right now and imagine if that message had that her sister sent, you know, through someone's DM was got to the wrong person. Yeah. And and just because someone is Arab or because they're Islamic and that's not that that it's hate. Yeah. I don't know. This is just such a hard topic on a podcaster in real life. Um, obviously for us, you know, we talk about this quite often, but um I feel like we're just venting because we're we're tired, right? I'm just, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even post on... I, I posted my rants and feelings on my social media uh, in October and November. I don't have the spoons anymore. I'm I'm angry. I'm tired um, to the point where I'm just like, I'm not... I can't do it. 
Yeah. Um, I just feel like I'm repeating myself for one, and I just don't have the spoons. I yeah, there are days where I my heart, you know, breaks for um, the Palestinian people that are not involved in this that just want peace as well because and realize that those those people do exist. Um, not every single person in Palestine. I think approves of what Hamas has done. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and so to condemn, like, we don't want to be considered, you know, a broad brushstroke. Like, all Jews are the same. Like, the same thing as Palestinians. I mean, I would assume that they they're not wanting that as well. Exactly. Um, we don't. I'm, know us. But there are days where I'm like, my heart breaks for them because I'm like, where else do they have to go? Well, they can't. They can't go anywhere else right now because it's, they're not being allowed to. Yeah. Well, and then, well, hold on. And then there are other days where I am so furious for Israel, for Jews, for like just because I want to stand up for who we are. Um, but the government of Israel is just infuriates me. And then there's also the you know people here too that because this is where it gets confusing of like. Those in like the LGBT community who are here saying, you know, pro Palestine or, or whatever, when when they're saying that phrase, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They don't know what they're saying, or if they do, they're they don't care. But they would be the first people thrown off buildings. That's something we can talk about. Uh, topic C D E wherever we are is <laughs> seeing because we're we're on the left of things we're progressive um beyond capital d democrat but um a as a socialist it's been hard seeing fellow socialists and radicals and whatever um it, it it's sometimes that it has definitely come off as anti-semitic or they just don't know what they're saying they're lashing on to an issue kind of like what we saw with george floyd where they don't understand that they're doing too much or not helping like they think they are um i saw one group they were basically lamenting the hundred years struggle or oh, what's the occupation quote-unquote occupation palestinians uh have been dealing with by israel uh 100 years i didn't realize that it was 2048 so that's you know and that was an easy one that's just showing if you're if you're reading a little more than just glancing you can see like i don't i'm not sure you know what you're talking about and that's been really frustrating um, it's also been frustrating that people only go back as far in history as they want to, that where it fits their narrative. Like, when we were talking about whose land it belongs to and stuff like that. I mean... Oh, yeah, that's frustrating. I mean, it depends on... I mean, some people use the Bible as historical text. Some people use it as they're just metaphors and bedtime stories you tell your kids. Mm -hmm. Um But the facts, the scientific facts, the findings, archaeological findings show that the Jewish people were there thousands of years ago. They've been exiled out of that land umpteenth times from the Babylonians to the Assyrians to the Romans. I mean, but honestly, I don't, not every single Jew has left. I mean, there have been Jews that have stayed. Um, that's not to say, though, that you shouldn't accept other nationalities or ethnicities into your land. Like, I mean, going into our Torah, it, it even says 
that you should treat strangers as your own. So, I mean, you're going to pick and choose what you actually abide by? Right, exactly. You don't so, you don't get to just, um, it's not cherry picking. Like, well, now, now I'm going to fight for what I believe, but only because it's convenient for my... Yeah, I mean, people just want to go, like, they're basing sh shit off their, um, their narrative they want to create. I mean, oh, I'm not going to get into the religious world for me. Um, it just frustrates me when people, like you say, cherry pick and just pick what they want and create a whole different reality. And actually, this is also goes hand in hand with like history and schools and why it needs to be taught. Yeah, you for multiple reasons. Yeah, you because you don't teach it. A lot of kids like I don't know what do you call them? Gen Alpha and Z oh, yeah, and all this stuff. Yeah, like some people don't even know what the Holocaust was. Like that wasn't even that long ago. I remember when, um, when I was in back in my day, when I was <laughs> in high school, tenth grade, in my world history, um, one. I, I was, I think, the one Jew. I was. I was the one Jew in my class. Token Jew? Yeah. And when we got to the segment about us, I was the one that was, like, the fact checker, and I could give my perspective. Um, But it was frustrating because the book wasn't, and it was an older textbook because that's typical public school. It's going to be a little older. Um, It had mentioned, it, or it had said that we called God Yahweh, Oh, and I said that to a Jew and they're going to cringe. Right. I said, no, we, uh, we actually don't. Um, I, I, and I had to, that's the Christian Bible. Yeah. Like, why did I have to correct the textbook? Um, so it's been like that. Cause it's written by mostly Christians. <laughs> yeah. It's been like that for a while. The thing of, well, actually that's not true. So it's no wonder people are confused or they don't know enough because they're not learning. Um, or if they are learning, it's not the right information. The, remember that saying we learn in school, history is written by the winners? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that's why we need to stand up. Which today. people will understand there's truth in between. Yeah. Just like if you're asking, you know, someone else, a, a couple that breaks up, you ask one person their perspective and the other person their perspective, you're going to get two different perspectives. So the truth really lies in between. I mean, it's... This so strikes me so much. I know, there's, there's so much to cover. And we we adjust. Uh, we, we had already started a new topic, and that topic had been yet this topic, and that topic, and that topic. Um, we Welcome to our lives, people. We were, talking about, <laughs> we were talking about the social media stuff. Yeah. And that led us to, you know, subnote A, subnote B. Oh, hey. Ew. It's just been, it's, this venting has been good. Yeah, it's been a while. We don't really, I mean, we'll mention it from time to time, but we don't sit down every night and talk about, okay, do you have any anti-Semitic issues today? I mean, I, I'm lucky that I, I work with an office that he allowed, like, allowed, he agreed to let me have my menorah up. And he even had some Hanukkah um, decorations, you know, when we were celebrating. And it was, it was, it was 
good to be seen. I will say there's one person that I feel that can come off a little bit anti-Semitic, unbeknownst, I think, to them. You know, with, like, a patient said that, oh, well, you know, how was Hanukkah? I was like, are you going to, like, do, like, a Seder for Passover for, for your coworkers? And this one coworker was, like, shaking her head, and I was like, well, I mean, we're doing a, a Christmas potluck or we do, you know, something for the office. It's, like, why why couldn't I? It's just food. I'm not saying for you to say a blessing. Right, yeah. Just You know, just show you part of me. And, yeah, it's like show and tell. It's cultural enrichment. Yeah. I, that. You tell me about, like, your, you know, kids or grandkids getting baptized or, you know, they were in a Christmas play. It's like, why can't I tell you about, like, what a Passover Seder is? Right, exactly. I I always loved that in uh, school when I would when it was lunchtime because then mm. I know I'd get the questions and the I don't know, but why do you eat them matzahs? Yeah, cracker. Uh, but if you do it right, it's not that bad. Right? No, it's not. It's um pizza lasagna. The only problem is the bloating. Oh, yeah. You wonder why Jews all have like tummy issues, <laughs> but. Yeah, so I guess the takeaway, people, is just realize your neighbor's human. I, you're, you're not wrong. And you know, I, um, I apologize. I've been quiet because I've been looking at my phone trying to find an article that I had from forever ago because this war has been going on for what, a hundred years now? Well, actually, today is a hundred days. That's what I thought. I, I thought so. So, um, Ahad Ham who is one of the founders of the Zionist movement. Yeah. In 1891, he had warned that the settlers, Jews, must under no circumstances arouse the wrath of the natives by ugly actions and must meet them in the friendly spirit of respect. And so he says, quote, yet what do our brethren do in Palestine? Just the very opposite. Thirfs they were in land of the diaspora. Oh. And suddenly they find themselves in unrestricted freedom and this change has awakened in them an inclination to despotism. They treat the Arabs with hostility and cruelty, deprive them of their rights, offend them without cause, and even boast of these deeds. And nobody among us opposes this despicable and dangerous inclination. And people realize this is before the Holocaust. This is, yeah. So, and what? most people, most Jews went back to Israel, the right of return, because of the Holocaust, not before. So, I mean. I guess I'm, so I'm reading that. And then I am seeing, you know, our people talk about Palestine doesn't exist. And, well, they voted for Hamas and all of this stuff. And I don't really feel like they have any other choice. Right. And though they'll, you're, you're right. And they, they. It's like either vote for Hamas or die. Yeah. They want me to believe that this is what it's always been like. Jews have always felt this way. Clearly not. One of the founders of the Zionist movement actually sounds pretty radical, at least if you ask the Jews around here. But, yeah. And that was in 1891, so I really don't want to hear Palestine doesn't exist, so on, so on. Because apparently, if you're a real Zionist, that is... Hitler was a kid. That is not what you would say. There's a baby. I don't even know what year he was born. Um, yeah, that was forever ago. And he was this person, one of Cedar Hurtful's friends, comrades, and again, one of the founders of the full Zionist movement was saying the opposite. You know, saying, let's not pretend that Israel's been empty for 3,000 years. Um, you need to not treat the natives like savages. I mean, my gosh. Well, you're saying natives, but I mean, 
that word I don't necessarily agree with. So I can only presume when he said that he means the people that were currently in the land. Yeah. And and that's I mean, what else are you gonna call them? We we can have you know, we can have the debate on the Jews have been here since then, Muslims since then, yeah. blah blah blah. And I think that's just being very nitpicky, you know, in certain conversations. Oh, in fact, here we go. It says, in their wistful ardor, Zionists had overlooked the existence of the Arabs in Palestine. To their eyes, the land of their distant forefathers appeared empty, waiting for the return of the dispersed descendants, as if history had stood still for 2,000 years. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's, um, we could go on for hours about that, but I'm just saying. And that was the late 1800s. So, um, and those are Zionists. So I really don't like how things have changed. Um, I think there's some very dark, quote-unquote, Zionism now that uh, is not, um, that's not what our forefathers practiced, and I, um, it's not good, and it will not create good outcomes. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> all right, well, that is all the time that we have for today. If you would, if you have comments, suggestions, or you disagree, which is totally fine, um, feel free to message us um, on in the comments and Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also email us at officialpodcastshit at gmail.com. Um, we are open to discussions. Promise you won't hurt our feelings. Um, but until next time, we'll see you then. Bye.